0: This is January 3rd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Well, welcome to the first Bruins Beat of 2019 here on CLMS Media. Great to have you for another year, uh, a good 2018, and looking forward to an even better 2019 here. And we're going to kick things off in style. We're going to bring back one of your favorite Bruins, uh, former Bruins center, Mark Savard. Welcome ah. to me here on the first Bruins beat of 2019. Savvy, Happy New Year, my friend.
1: Happy New Year, buddy. How's,
0: uh, how was the 2018 to you, and what are you looking ahead to
1: in 2019? Well, it, it's, uh, it was a great year. We had a lot of fun, and... Um, you know, family's good. Everybody and I'm healthy, so everything's been good that way. Um, looking to looking for a couple new things. You know, I'm getting into the broadcasting world, doing a little bit of TV lately. So we'll see where that takes me. And uh, I got a son coming up for the OHL draft, so that'll be fun too. So wow. we got some exciting times wow. ahead.
0: Nice, my man. That's good news. That's exciting. And let, let's you know, before we get into some brewing stuff, let's talk about that broadcasting. Uh, stuff you've been doing, you know, you're doing some radio and TV for Sportsnet on Hockey Central, you've done some ice surfing episodes uh, with Jeff Marrick, and I mean, I know you're something, you know, we talked about many moons ago, when you left the game, you're interested in maybe doing, but uh, now to actually be doing it and and really getting some regular work, uh, what's that been like to you?
1: Yeah, it's kind of all taken off, I didn't have big aspirations in doing it, and then I did a couple of hockey centrals last year at noon, and it just kind of blew up from there. And I ended up doing Leafs radio pre- and post-game with Gord Stellick on Sportsnet, the Fan 590. And that kind of escalated to some hockey central, and I did a couple of games recently, two of them. And it's been a great learning curve, and, and you know I got some ice surfings coming up, like you said, with Jeff Merrick. So I'm looking forward to that. So um, I'm really enjoying it. It's a different look at things. I'm, I, I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it. I, I, like I said, i like to do some color maybe in the future. And um, I still I'm a hands on guy, So coaching is still at the top of my list. So we'll see what happens.
0: And are you still currently coaching any teams right now?
1: No, so I'm not. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it this year with going up to Toronto every other day because I'm still living in the Peterborough area. So okay. it's a little bit of a hike, but yeah. So I am mean, I'm not coaching this year. No.
0: Now ice surfings, I've seen you on it and I think you're a good fit for it there. And I, you know, even if, you hadn't been on yet, that would be something I might suggest to you that I think you'd succeed at. And, you know, working with a guy like Jeff Merrick, too, I mean, he's easy to work with. I mean, you feel like every time I'm on with him, every time I've ever had him on the radio show, it just felt like we were kind of shooting the breeze, sitting in a pub, you know, throwing a few back. I mean,
1: is that that what it's like for you when you work with him? Yeah, it's very easy. You know, he tees up all the questions and, and makes my life a lot easier, and, those guys are nice to work with, like Gord Stellick, too, who I work with on the uh, on the uh, Leafs Radio, who's who's been fantastic. So yeah, those guys are great. I'm looking forward to those ice surfings and maybe doing more with Jeff uh, down the road. Yeah, it should be good, man.
0: Well, we'll keep an eye out for that for sure. And of course, uh, the Hockey Canada they had the uh, Winter Classic down here. I got to watch it on NBC in the states. But uh, just your impression of uh, the latest Winter Classic, Sav, between the Bruins and the Blackhawks here at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of criticism, still is, even after the game, but, you know, to the, they're overdoing it with the outdoor games and It's lost, it's allure. I don't know, Savvy, I don't know if you agree with me. I thought they won some of that back with this one. I really felt like this one hit a home run, so to speak, or, or scored a touchdown, which I guess would be the proper term to say there. And, and they just – I felt like it hit home, and it really brought the viewer back into it.
1: Yeah, I did too. I, I kind of liked how they just – Stuck with one this year. Um, did a oh, great yeah. job Notre Dame. out of one. They're doing Philly pit, unfortunately, in March. But okay. okay, well, yeah, that's not too bad. Better than those out, you know, they had like six or seven recently. Yeah. But I think sticking to this big one at Notre Dame was a great setting. Uh, a lot of history out there, obviously. And both teams had, a you know, two great teams to have in. And I know Chicago's not having the year they want to, but just the name, the Blackhawks and the Bruins, just – it was a real classic uh, – And I love the jerseys on both sides. And it was just a great game, too, to watch. You know, there were scoring chances at both ends. It was exciting. Uh, You know, there were some hits. And it was just a good hockey game to be a fan. And they did a nice job on NBC, like you said.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's. I I think that's all anyone wants, really, is a good game. And, of course, you know, you're you're braving the elements. You're taking a chance every time you do this that that could affect the game and the quality of the game. But I just love – I mean, I – you know, Patrice Bergeron was talking to um, I forget who it was, Jackie Redmond maybe from NHL Network after, you know, and she said, "What do you take away from this experience?" And he's, he's I mean, "Look, it's a huge game. The fact that we got embarrassed in the last one we were in, you know, that kind of left a bad taste in our mouth, and we wanted to come out and get redemption." And I'm, I'm thinking for all those people out there, those critics, to say this game's just another two points, it doesn't mean anything to the players, and it's a joke—bullshit! Like I, I think that game. Right there, from both sides, the way both players, uh, both teams played, and also just the fun they were having at
1: the same time.
0: I think it means a whole lot more than just a a two-point game. Will you?
1: Yeah, I do. I I mean, they really—it was an intense game, that's for sure. You really want to win, Um, you know. And I think both teams, you know, showed that they were—they were grinding. Uh, They were into it. The celebrations were great after the goals. Um, (laughs) The fans seemed seemed to be right into it, all the jerseys you can see in the backgrounds. It it was just a great setting, and and I'm sure something those guys will never forget. A lot of guys don't get to play in them ever in their career. I was fortunate to play in the one in Boston at at Fenway, which was phenomenal. But from what I'm hearing from the guys, that setting was the best they've played in.
0: Yeah, that's what it seems like from everyone that's talking about it. And, yeah, you bring up that one in Fenway too, uh, Savvy, and I, I, I just, you know, I remember just the, the look you guys had after that We interviewing you guys in the, in the dressing room or clubhouse whatever they call it in the baseball field um you know after the game and just you just had that feel like it was almost like a playoff win of course marco Sturm scored the winner there in overtime for you guys taking it as berger on night That's the guy who got it, Marco Sturm. He was positioned at the front. There it is, and the Bruins have won in overtime. I think, Did you tie it up in that game?
1: Uh, I didn't know, but but oh, we no, did no, tie no, it up. Yeah, we right? tied it up, and then we won it. Yeah, yeah. And then we won it, won it in overtime. So
0: yeah, that was great, man. That was such a good memory, and so yeah, it's just I don't know. Just even as media, it's an experience, and I, I think they should keep going. It. They're going to be in Dallas next year. I know that's going to get a lot of critique, being that it's kind of a warm city. But they got to, sooner or later, they had to expand to some of these uh, warmer climates, you know, with all the, the new teams they're adding. But, hey, uh, speaking of the Dallas Stars, and I know we're putting off the B-talk. We'll get right into it in a second. But speaking of the Dallas Stars, and it's kind of connected to the Bruins, what were your thoughts on uh, CEO Jim Lights coming out and ripping Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan and uh, that whole situation, where it might go?
1: Yeah, it really made no sense to me. I don't know who benefited from any of that. Um, you know, I like Jamie Ben's comments the following day that, they, you know, if he has any issues, he'd deal with it in-house. And I kind of felt like that's where they should have did it. And uh, it was a little unfair, and I'm sure it caught those guys off guard. But it just makes things awkward now around there for, you know, your two-star players that are going to be there for many years, at least we think, or maybe now they shot them. I, I, it just seems like an un Something that didn't need to happen. Now it's a very uncomfortable situation for everybody involved.
0: Well, it's interesting, right? I mean, I'm going to show my age here a bit, but I mean, I know we're not that different off an age, and you know, you remember the day like George Steinbrenner back with the Yankees, and like that's something you see. We don't see that anymore. We haven't seen that a while in sports, and it did. It caught it caught everyone off guard there. But the interesting thing I think there, you know, when I look in here. I don't know enough about what's going on with Ben, I know not the time, but I did get to cover Tyler Sagan. I do know a lot of guys that play with him, and it just seems like, look, yeah, he puts up the points all the time, right? And, and no one's going to argue that his stats are great. He's a phenomenal player. He's he's one of those rare talents you're going to get, and that's why you you went second overall, Savvy, and you got to play with him for a bit. Um, but just from everything I knew when he was here to then and. It, what it just seems like there's something missing there. And I don't know whether it's he hasn't matured or what it is, but I kind of see the frustration that Light's had. I'm not saying he should have done what he done, what he did, but I see the frustration he had, and we know that there's been that frustration around Sagan for a while. What do you think it is with him that is still missing there? And maybe maybe you don't see that. Maybe I'm way off. I mean, what is it about Tyler Sagan right now that he's like?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think the maturity thing might be one thing. This kid, you know, he, he left home at 18 or, you know, well, younger than that because he went to Detroit to play junior hockey as well. So really he's been out of the house since he's 15. And um, growing up on your own, having free reigns, it's a different thing. It's a different life. And, you know, some guys adjust quicker than others. And maybe I think you're right, might be on that. He's he's still a little um, immature for, for his age, and, and but, but still a great kid. Anybody that's around him enjoys time with him. But, yeah, maybe that's one thing that's slowed him down. But still, like you said, he puts up the stats um, every single year. He contributes, um, you know, on the scoreboard every night. So, and his plus minus is generally very good. So, I think it's it's more than just him in there. It's, you know, it's a team thing. And um, as a team grows, they're a young team. I, I think they'll get better. And I think he's going to be a big part of that still. Yeah, you know,
0: it's interesting. You talk about, you know, how young he was when he came to the NHL there. and no, I remember a couple people telling me with the Bruins it, that they had tried to get him up in like sort of a billet home, right, with one of the older players or somebody within the organization, and he didn't want to do it. And I, maybe I'm maybe what I heard is wrong, I don't know. But you always look back at some of the guys who did do that and how much it helped them. And look, Patrice Bergeron's on a whole nother level. But I just remember when he lived with Marty Lapointe, how much he grew as a person and a player, and, and the values he got and the learnings from that. I, don't know, I always thought maybe that was something that could have helped Sagan in the beginning and who knows where he is now, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so beneficial for these guys. I think even when Kess came there his first year, they put him with a family as well. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's a, it's, you know, it helps. It helps their comfort level. It helps kind of keep them at home instead of being out every night. Um, and just having that family atmosphere like Bergeron was able to do with the point. So, uh yeah, I think it goes uh, leaps and bounds for these kids coming in nowadays it's a different thing. Um but a lot of these guys in Toronto, they got a young team and I'm noticing like, you know, families are up more, their mothers are up more spending time with them, which is I think a great thing. And who is who uh, was
0: living with Marlo
1: on that team? Was it Marn? Um, it seems like every young guy's living with Marlo. They just <laughs> go over there for dinners and everything. Yeah. He has the whole crew over. I so hear. but a lot of Matthews and Marner for
0: sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, let's get in right into some Bruins here because I know our listeners want to hear about that and get your take on that. And look, it's it's been an injury plague season for the Bruins, and I, they're not using it by as an excuse by any means. But, you know, inside, I wouldn't blame them if they are in their heads because they have a right to. I mean, they've, they've had some really obviously tough injuries and situations when it comes to health. Charlie McAvoy's still battling something else now. And somehow, though, you know, they've stayed afloat, and they're not – I, I think Tampa is going to sort of pull away from the pack here. But, you know, the Bruins are still in the mix there for that second spot in the in the Atlantic and the battling with Toronto and Buffalo and, you know, even the Canadians are going a little. But it's, I think, to me, it's a really good reflection on the job Bruce Cassidy's done thus far this year. I know he's a finalist last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the running for the Jack Adams again.
1: Yeah, I mean, hats off to Bruce. He's done a fabulous job since he's come in from Claude. Um, more of a players coach to me seems like and the boys have just taken off and you know what's been amazing about this whole thing the injury situation has given these other guys opportunities earlier than than later and they've really blossomed and you're able to see what your organization has but you know coming to the trade deadline you know Don Sweeney has made a couple moves in the past he's not scared to um, I think with Cam Neely around there too he likes to to make some moves and we'll see what happens but there's a couple guys, there's some couple good names out on that list this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bruins dip in there again to get someone on the Crutchie line. Um, you know, Crutchie's been having a good season, even though, you know, DeBrusque is a great player, but they haven't really found a guy on that other side. And, you know, I know Rick Nash came in and played some decent hockey. So it'll be interesting to see what they do come down to the deadline. But I like that they've done it. It's amazing with all the injury they've had over a couple of years, actually. They've yeah. been able to challenge every year.
0: Yeah, it is, man. And then, of course, it's just insane what Patrice Bergeron does immediately when he gets back in. He had, like, what was it, a four-point night against Nashville the first game back, and then I I mean, that play he made in the Winter Classic, Savvy, like, you know, Berge, I mean. What a sequence for Patrice Bergeron. Remember the breakaway for camp. Bergeron comes hustling back, pops it up with a turnover, and what an effort by Bergeron earlier in the sequence, later in the sequence, he scores on the back end. You know, the rest of the world's probably like, wow. But when you watch him every day, you're just like, oh, well, you know, that's what he does, (laughs) right? I mean, it's it's unreal.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he's... uh... He's really came into his own. He's been a great two-way player his whole career, and um, he continues to grow. And, and I like I like since I've been out of the game, you know, his offensive numbers weren't always there, but now he's starting to become this offensive dynamo along with his defense and really making himself one of the best players in all of hockey.
0: For sure. And then between the pipes in that Winter Classic, and I thought it was huge. A lot of people thought I was overreacting on Twitter when I said this was a huge statement against <laughs> the Duke O'Rask, and if it had, I had said before the game, if it if it goes the wrong way, it's not going to be good for the future of him here. And people kind of thought it was nuts. But if you're around Boston savvy, I don't know how much you pay attention. I mean, this guy has become, you know, the ultimate scapegoat uh, here in Boston. And just even mainstream sports media and mainstream sports fans taking shots at him all the time. It doesn't matter what he does. He just can't seem to win here. So I just felt like on the big stage there – that was his chance to sort of shut everyone off and also just give the Bruins, his, his teammates, the faith that, you know what, Tuca's still our guy. Did you think he took it that way? Or did you think he achieved that?
1: Well, the first thing I did after that game is I wrote my buddy Matt Falker, who is the Bruins assistant uh, equipment guy, and I told him right away to tell Tuca, I mean, it, you know, if there's any, he made some huge key saves in that game. Oh, um, saves? Oh, here comes Danny! Yeah, exactly. Big game saves, so it it was nice to see. And I think that was a good situation for Bruce Cassidy to throw him into mm-hmm. to see how he'd do under the big, you know, the big spotlight under the gun. And he reacted fantastic because we all know that Halak's put some heat on him this year. And I think that's a good thing. I think Tuka needs a push, and I think this is all setting up for good for the playoffs to have him behind him, knowing that if you know if he falters at all. There's another guy waiting in the wing. So I think this is all a good situation. I think is going to benefit from it because I still believe he's a great goalie and he's a great person. And the guys really like him inside that locker room.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's kind of been a trying year from two. He took a leave of absence there. And then, you know, he's battled injury a little here and there. So I, I just felt like I know, and like it goes back to what we were saying, where the Winter Classic is a bit bigger than just a regular two points. And I think you're right. You made a great point there. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, give credit to Cassie, too, for – kind of sensing that and seizing that opportunity to, you know, maybe he's looking at it and being like, i got to save this guy right now, you know, because I, we think we can get him. We believe in him, but he might not be there right now. And, and he, he gave him the start in Buffalo, and then he goes there. So great move by There, Looking forward, I mean, you mentioned uh, before I let you go here, Sally, you, you like what they might be able to do at the trade deadline. Is there a guy out there that you would like to see on Critchie's line there that comes off the top of your head?
1: Well, the big one for me would be, you know, Panarin. If if something happens in Columbus where they let one of them go, whether it's Bobrovsky or Panarin, and, I mean, I'd love to see Panarin there. I mean, I know he's going to cost some money. It's, it's something they would have to sign before, you know, agreeing on a trade. But he'd be my first bet. But, you know, there's some other guys around the league that could fill the void, um, you know, if they're just trying to make a run short term. Um,
0: yeah. But,
1: uh, I mean, Panarin's the one that sticks out to me the most, and I think, I think the Bruins have the depth in the organization to do something like that.
0: They do. Um,
1: you know, with their with their young defensemen and the kids that have come up and played well. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you got some guys that maybe you can toss in like a, Bork, a Bjork or whatever in minors or, a, or a, you know, a, one of your younger defensemen. So it'll be interesting. But I think that would be my first look if I can get something done there. If he's going to leave Columbus, that's something that I think I would really look into.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I I think they're still looking at it. You mentioned uh, Sweeney's not afraid to pull a big deal, and Neely likes to do them as well. And then they might—they got to be looking at it too, saying, hey, as far as having Bergeron and Char around and even maybe Tuca, you know, the window's closing a bit. I mean, yes, our future's bright. We've we've stacked up our system, but let's use part of that system, like you're saying, to maybe go out and get another guy now that can put us over the hump and maybe get one more cup. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Another one. Go ahead.
1: Another one that sticks out to me, too, I forgot about this. This is probably my favorite deal, actually, that I, that I thought, if the Panarin thing can't work. If L.A. might eat some of that Kovalchuk contract, I think Kobe can still score and play on a Bruins team with a, with a David Kretzky that. that can feed it to him. Yeah. I think that might be another guy that you can look at.
0: And remember, the Bruins are in the running. like They were like top three or something uh, to sign him uh, over the summer. Yeah. Already some- so I think that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one there, too. I'd keep an eye, too, on the kid. If Carolina tanks and they, they go the other way, which I'm not so sure they will, we'll see, but keep an eye on that Michael Furland, too, Savvy. He's an un- unrestricted Yeah, that's a nice pickup. He's pretty young, you know. He's kind of like a thrust type. Um, I like it. He's a big body. You can help them out, and he can play a lot of different situations. So, what's up. Listen, Savvy, we look forward to seeing you on uh, Sportsman uh, Hockey Central and ice surfing. Uh, next time you're in Boston, find some of me, buddy, okay?
1: Okay, nice catching up. Thanks for having me, Tom.
0: All right, that's Mark Savard, former Boston Bruins, joining us here on the Blue Deep. I'm Jimmy Murphy here, and see you all next week. We'll talk to you next week. Right. Boys and girls...